All right, we are back with another episode. Uh, we have the great pleasure in having Coach Allison Lawrence, uh, head coach of the Montana Grizzly volleyball team with us today. Uh, coach Lawrence, thank you for spending some time with us. And um, yeah, can't wait to hear from you and listen and, and kind of get some uh, insight into volleyball because it's a sport that I, I love watching, but I am horrible at. I I would not be a good volleyball player at all. So <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I'm happy to be here. And yeah, volleyball is not an easy sport just to like play randomly. So no, I get it. Let, let me tell you this, like, you know what, me being just a big guy, you think that, you know, obviously being able to play football that I have some type of athleticism. So one of my friends here is in down has like a sand volleyball pit kind of place. So he invited me over and let me just tell you, like, I have zero hops. I can't jump yeah. for nothing. Yeah. I'm not built for this sport. But one of my good friends, his first passion was actually before he got into football was mm -hmm. volleyball. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's super, super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, you know, I just never had it in my high school. So because of that, I just I didn't know it existed. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Did that person play football for the Grizz? They did. Was it, they did. Was it Sean? No, I do Sean know who Lynn. Sean is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's actually who, whose house I went to to go play. So okay, I went to yeah. Sean's house to go play. And then I we lost every game that I whatever team I was on, we lost that game. And <laughs> I, I, I remember... I remember leaving. I was just like, you know what, volleyball is super fun, but I just don't know if it's built for me. Like, I'm not cut out for it. You know what I mean? They're just like hit the hit the big guy with the, the ball. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But Sean is the other player, and he's super passionate about it. I don't think he's still around in town though. I think he just moved or something like that. Yes. Yeah. You're right. He did just move, but yeah, his his court's pretty nice. And yeah. How, so, there. so how long have you known Sean for? I guess what's the relationship um, there? Well, my husband actually runs a volleyball club here in town in Missoula. Oh. So Sean coached for him for probably six years. I mean, when he was done playing, I don't remember when Sean, I don't know even how old he is really, like I, uh -huh. when he graduated, but um, yeah, he coached club and they coached together. And so they've become good friends. And then Nate, my husband and him would play all the time. Um mm -hmm. I never was invited, really. We're just gonna call. We're gonna. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're gonna call him out right now. We're I know. Call him out right now. Yeah, yeah but he's a great guy. Too. So yeah, yeah, and the sand is hard, especially it's even if hard. we play indoor. A lot of indoor players are like terrible in the sand. Me included. Uh -huh. so, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, hundred percent. So I guess, coach. I mean, right off the bat, I guess, give us a little background. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. Um, I am from Southern California, so I grew up in a city called Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> so I'm from Pasadena, so I'm right down oh, the street from there. Okay. My, my dad lives in on my dad lives on, on Rialto, and I have some family oh. in Ontario, so. Sorry, right. I feel like we're, we're I should neighbors. know that about you. But yeah, we are neighbors in Pasadena. Come on, coach. Come on, coach. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pasadena. It's a little nicer yeah. than Rancho, but I like Rancho too. So grew up yeah. down there and I still love California and have family down there and went to school, wanted to go out of state for college and went to Oregon State and then um, kind of went back and forth from California in that whole area, Claremont and um Ontario in that area working and trying to figure out life and then um, started coaching. You mentioned your your Oregon State uh, days. I, re I read an article about you where you were trying to play Pac-12 volleyball. And was that kind of hard with your, because you're an outside hitter, yeah. correct? Yeah. And was that kind of hard with your height wise? Yeah. Yeah. I think in the recruiting process, um, 
and this was before really like email and all this. So, you know, that I didn't even have a cell phone at that time, but I, mm-hmm. so you get letters in the mail. Um, and, and they had the pagers too, right? Did they have the pagers? Yeah. <laughs> pagers. <laughs> we can't forget those. We can't forget those. <laughs> I can't, but, um, but yeah, I got recruited as a walk-on to some of the other PAC 10 teams at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think I would have even played as a walk, you know, that, that was more just like, yeah, you, you'd add some depth and be a practice player. But really my coach at Oregon state was also a really undersized outside hitter at USC. And I think as coaches, we're just drawn to players that remind us of ourselves sometimes. And I think that was me with her. And Uh so, and she ran a faster offense. And I think she thought that she could like small ball everybody, as we would say, you could just like ball control everything and extend rallies and just like through defense, you could just grit out these wins against these giant girls. And, and that didn't really pan out for us, (laughs) but um, I got to play a lot and I loved it. And uh, yeah, so it was a good fit for me. Uh So you you then went there uh, to volunteer coach at your Oregon, your alma mater, Oregon state. How was that to play there and then go back as a a volunteer coach how did that feel yeah it was weird um but there was a coaching change so my coach left and went to south carolina and then um they hired a man named terry laskevich who was our olympic coach um i think in the 80s you'll have to Mm -hmm. fact check that you'll have to have the whole thing of fact checks (laughs) um that's adam's job that's not my job (laughs) but prolific coach like at every level he won a national championship at Pacific as well. Um, And so I think it felt really new in that way where, yes, I was volunteering for the school that I played for um, and my friends were still on the team. And um, but I I didn't do much coaching. I kind of just cleaned the equipment room and Uh I really just like wanted to hear him talk about volleyball and be a fly on the wall and um, get excited about it in a new way. So it was really rewarding. And him and I like shared books for a while. And he was just a great leader and a great motivator. So Uh it was really it was fun. Was it, was it a little bit nerve wracking, you know, transitioning from, you know, player to coach? Were you worried at all? Oh, yeah. I'm like a worried person all the time. And so I think I was like, hallelujah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I played for a woman that was pretty domineering and pretty harsh. And that's just not my personality. And I always mm-hmm. kind of she was always on me to be um, meaner and more angry as a player. And um, that wasn't my style as an athlete either. And so I just think. I really didn't think I had the personality type to be a successful coach. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was pretty discouraged by it for a while. Um, but then, I don't know, you just keep getting drawn to something and you kind of just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that was going to be one of my questions too. Like, were, was there ever a moment? Because obviously you're in a new role. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not a player, you're a coach now. Obviously, yeah. there's, like you said, discouraging times. You know, there's hard times just like anything else in life. Um, but was there ever a moment that kind of sticks out to your brain? That's like, you know what, this is why I do it. This is why I want to pursue this goal, this career path. Yeah. Um, like, did you ever have a night where you were just sitting there and you're like, you know what, I got to make a decision. I'm either all in or not in at all. Yeah. Does that make (laughs) sense? Yes, totally. Yeah. I was, um, it wasn't really there. I kind of went home after the Oregon state thing and went to graduate school and was helping out um, with some of the D3 programs around there, like Claremont, yeah. uh, the five C's down there has two programs and then Laverne. And I think just the relationships with those players as a volunteer, I just felt like there was not one in particular, but it was just, you know, when you feel connected to athletes, how yeah. it's like your teammate bond, there's just nothing like it. And so I think when I felt that as a coach, 
it was different than feeling it as a player, but it just was like, I can't, I can't go without this in my life. I really love this. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just kept going. (laughs) Yeah. How cool of a moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, there were some really great teams that I was fortunate to work with when I was young and kind of like figuring stuff out. So your next three years, you know, coach, you, you mentioned, you know, doing the volunteer and, and, to the, the lower part of your career for volunteering. What was it hard? Cause I think you were doing your master's at that same time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little How bit. hard. Was that like, <laughs> was a I, can, I can barely, barely do what I do. And <laughs> I can't imagine cause I'm a school teacher. Yeah. And I'm, I do stuff at night and I have this class that I'm taking and I'm like, Oh, Lord, I, I, I can't go get my master's. My wife's always like, you should go get your master's. I'm like, I don't think I can. Like, teaching <laughs> yeah. is good. I, 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 I hear don't you. think I can. No, and teaching so demanding emotionally. Like, I, I mean, grad school was, for me, it was difficult. It was... Um, I got it, my degree in applied women's studies, which everyone's like, what even is that? Um, but it was really, <laughs> it was basically philosophy. It was a lot of yeah. reading and writing and critical thinking. And, and I find that stuff fascinating. I think most people are like, no, thanks. But um, I find it fascinating. But it was, it was a lot of reading um, and mm-hmm. writing papers. And I think I just, I don't know, I can, when I want something, I have a little bit of a gear to to get there. And I think I just fit it into my life. And was it really excited about it and kind of had the anxiety of like, I'm not an athlete anymore. I really need to figure out who I am. And I think yeah. all of us, when we're done playing and competing, you have that little bit of identity crisis where you're, you got to like launch into a new direction or else you just kind of get stuck there. Um, yeah. Cause you, you wanted to be a teacher. I think I read an article that said that you want, like you were pursuing a teaching like career, yeah. weren't you? Yeah, I wanted to either be a professor or yeah, a teacher. I my both my parents are teachers and so I loved having the summers off. I think that's pretty cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but but just, your parents were also the the people that got you into sports, weren't weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're really active themselves and um, made me try volleyball. You know, you make your kids sign up for summer camps and stuff like that. And so, but you did, but didn't you do tennis before that? Yes, yeah. Tell tell me about that experience going from a (laughs) tennis player to a volleyball player. Because, because again, I was, I was just telling, I was telling Allison before we got on this that I just stumbled across um, like, like the, like the Grizz. I mean, just website, and that Mm -hmm. they have uh, individual segments of like my volleyball story. And I was super fascinated by it because I learned that, you know what, like you did tennis for like, I don't know how many years, like three years or something like that. Yeah. It, it was from a young age to right before high school. Yeah. 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 So, no, it, it, it was good for me. I mean, um, I think tennis was the, my parents loved tennis. And so it was just the first thing that they put me in lessons wise. And so, um, you know, I would have lessons with, with, I don't even remember his name, but some tennis pro. And then uh-huh. just, I liked it, but I was always nervous. Um, I'm a shy kid. And so the one-on-one with my coach was kind of an intense thing. And I just mm-hmm. was a perfectionist and loved to hit the ball hard. I think the one thing between volleyball and tennis is you just get to like hit something so hard. <laughs> really give it to hell hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it's a chess match and it's so you versus you. So I admire tennis players because they're so incredibly mentally tough. Where volleyball, you get to kind of like celebrate with people and it's a little bit yeah. more of a team feel, obviously. So, um, but yeah, I think it taught me a ton um, and you do a ton of overhead stuff in tennis. You know, you hit like, I don't even know, remember what it's called. And like an overhead swing, you take an overhead swing, I guess is what it was. Mm-hmm 
I don't know. Clearly, I'm it's okay. Me neither. We don't. We don't know either. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, sounds We're good. Still learning. Tennis and serving, similar. So anyway, um, but yeah, I love racket sports. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So, coach, first of all, you know you love hitting things. We should sign you up for the football team. Uh, <laughs> I've never hit anything be... like that. <laughs> I'm, second, I'm not physical enough for that. <laughs> second thing, like you went from tennis, it is a single person, you're you're on your island kind of thing. Going from that to volleyball, which is a team sport, mm -hmm. you know, was that kind of hard or did they kind of help each other kind of go from one to the other, one being a single person and then a group sport yeah. as well? Yeah, I think tennis being um, individual helped me emotionally. I think tennis, and there's a lot of cultural things in tennis where you just don't emote a lot. You know, I think unless you're John McEnroe, or I think that's changing as <laughs> uh, the, the younger generation is coming through, but it's a lot of etiquette and kind of keeping your emotions to yourself. At least that's how I learned it. And, um, and I think that actually helped me just do the internal part of sports without showing, without kind of going up and down, you know, and being fiery when things are going well, and then sort of losing my mind when things weren't going well. So I think I learned a bit about that. Um, and then you have to balance the court and have good footwork and read. And I think all of the anticipating, you know, skills um, of reading a racket coming off a ball, it's or a ball coming off a racket. It's similar to mm -hmm. a platform in volleyball. And so I think just I work stuff was a good transfer over. Um, but I ran to volleyball pretty fast because I just it's I don't know. People that don't play it, they see it and it's like, oh, it's so many high fives and so much cheering. But when you're doing it and you're you get to celebrate a big play, it's like you get that hit of dopamine. I mean, it's just like the best. Oh, yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. every sport has that moment, but um, it's fun to share that with people on the volleyball court. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And that's a that's a crazy thing, too. I mean, because when you think about I mean, obviously, comparing to the game of football. I mean, one bad play goes wrong, it's really easy to change that momentum, yeah. you know? So it's really hard for us to continually be like, hey, come on, let's go. Hey, good job, high fives here. You know, like we gotta get after this, yeah. you know? So I think that's actually a super big positive, you know, because mm -hmm. every every little win or if you win a set or if you win a point or the, one of those things, mm -hmm. I mean, you're celebrating with your friends, but you keep that up even when things are going bad. Yeah. And that's a cool part about it. You know, and I, I think uh, Adam Adam had uh, had brought this up to me at one point, too. You do a really good job about just keeping your composure when you're out there yeah. on the court. It's yeah. extremely positive. And, yeah. and it's one of those things that's like, you know, it, it's kind of inspiring to watch because your your players feed off of that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think no, that's, that's a super cool thing. Yeah. yeah, that's nice of you to say. Yeah. And volleyball coaches are it's kind of a joke that they just sit down. Like you see a lot of them literally just sit there. And so there's yeah. a lot of just, okay, do I stand? Do I sit? Do I do all this? But I, I just feel like I played for someone who um, was kind of an obstacle and kind of like another opponent, you know, and, and that mm -hmm. brought great things out of us. But I think, I think I really like the style that um, I'm here as a support, but I'm not, I should sort of blend into the crowd and the, the, the game, the match is like the team's time to take over and problem solve mm -hmm. and go. And I'm there to give information and organize and all that. But really this is like, I should have prepared them in a certain way. And if I haven't, it's kind of too late, you know, and yeah. it's their time to go, go compete. So I love that part of it. And it's uh -huh. sometimes I feel more emotion and I want to like, 
pump my fist or do something. And sometimes it's hard to just sort of be calm, but I think it kind of reminds me, this is obviously a silly comparison, but have you seen like a towel digging light? He's like, I don't know what to do with my hand. Like when you said, Hey, I don't know whether I need to be sitting, need to be standing. I feel like it's the same thing. You know, officially like, what do I do here? What yeah. am I supposed to do? So that's a cool thing, though. That you find I'm not going to get that out of my head now when yeah. I'm watching volleyball. That's a good reference. <laughs> just stand like this. Oh, Is it good like, or bad? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree with uh, Angel. Like I, I am amazed. Like you're just even tone, and it, it's just amazing. Um, mm -hmm. I, that's why I love watching you because because volleyball is so different that you have momentums of swings oh, yeah. where you get a lot of points uh, and and it's not like momentum it has a huge role in that and i think mm -hmm. that you know adversely uh, a coach can really play into that if you're like you know verbally yelling right. and stuff like that you can swing a game in a different area that you don't mm -hmm. want it to so yeah i i love watching you coach and um it, it's it's amazing to see because the players react to it so well it's, yeah, it's amazing yeah well thanks for saying that yeah it, it, it's kind of interesting simply because like when i was i mean all my coaches, you know, whether it be a good play or a bad play, I get yelled at. I'm supposed yeah. to completely like take them out of my mind, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to your role specifically. You do a good job of staying in there and be like, I'm with you. Let's go do this dang yeah. thing, yeah. you know, as opposed to me. I'm supposed to completely disconnect myself from that. I'll take the coaching, you know, right. but I'm not I'm not playing into the emotion part of it. You know what I mean? Which yeah. I think those are kind of the distinctions between obviously a sport like mine compared to a sport like yours. And so, yeah. again, it's a cool thing to kind of see. Yeah. It is. And I love yeah. watching other coaches. That's one of my favorite things to do when we go, you know, watch another sport or go to a football game or something. And you just see, you just see different cultures in coaching too and yeah, different yeah. Sport cultures and things. And, um, and yeah, it's, and it depends on the personality and there's times I'm, and so many people have told me, it's so nice of you guys to say all this in this way. Cause so many people have told me, you need to get more mad at your players. You need to do these oh, things. No. You need to, you need to react more. And and I'm not saying mm -hmm. they're wrong. I just, that doesn't feel authentic for me in the moment. Yeah. I think I need to be myself. My players are so smart. Um, and they, they call BS if I'm not being myself. <laughs> so it uh -huh. won't work either. Um, so how, how do I guess that's a really good question too, because obviously you're the spotlight, regardless yeah. how the team does, whether it be good or bad, you're the one that say, Hey coach, we got an interview for you. You know, we got to go have a conversation. How do you take that criticism? Yeah. Like you said, I mean, obviously you convince yourself that, hey, you know what? This isn't who I'm supposed to be. But I mean, how challenging is that? Yeah, I, I don't know that I do it well or or I, I don't know. I think especially, I mean, in this program turnaround and turnarounds take a long time. This one yeah. in particular, I think, um, for a variety of reasons. But I think along the way, there's just so much criticism. And we live in a culture now where they're between social media and just the streaming live stream streaming of all the games. You just, I think the fan experience and the fans feel more apt to comment and to yeah. have comments and opinions and, and we have amazing fans, but, um, but yeah, I'm pretty sensitive, I think to yeah. people's criticisms, because when you, I think as a coach, you put your, your program is kind of like your heart, like walking yeah. around, you it's know, you, yeah. yeah, it's like everything you believe and then kids that you love, you know, mm -hmm. um, too. And you want, you want them not to be criticized and you want them to feel what it feels like to see, succeed. And so criticism hurts, but, um, I think, 
I've learned how to trust myself and I've learned mm -hmm. how to just roll it off the shoulder. Yeah. And kind yeah. of like, is our team okay? And does yeah. our team know me and my intention? Uh -huh. And do I know them and their intention? If that's if the answer to that is yes, then like the other stuff is just noise. It's not helpful. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a couple people I really trust. You know, I think Brene Brown says like, you should have a little inch by inch piece of paper and there should be names on that paper that you would go to for honest feedback. And so I have about three people in my life where I'm like, okay, tell me the truth. And, and that that's love to me that they can say hard things to me when I need to hear it. And then I like know that I need to do those things. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. No, it's hard for me, man. I'm clear. I mean, if, if some, if I'm, if, we have a video out there. I'm I'm reading through all the comments. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm just I'm way too like I'm way too invested in it. But the thing is, I'm a super emotional person because obviously there's a passion attached to just any sport that you play. But on yeah. the same exact way, you know, I, I mean, when I used to play football, I used to read the comments and, and, you know, those sort of things and take it to heart. But at the end of the day, it was kind of like the same thing. I was just like, they're not out there playing with me. Right. They're, they're not out there competing with us, you know, they, they don't get to line up next to me and we have to call a play together as like an offensive unit, you know, yeah. or the vice, vice versa, defensive unit too, you know, so because of that, it, but it's really hard to do it. Like you said, especially today's day and age where social media is at the forefront of everything, you know, everything you say is speculated, everything, that, everything you say is jotted down, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's oh, yeah. a super, I mean, I, I, I just don't have that self-control. I'm trying, don't get me wrong. I just don't got it, man. I'm too I don't either, right? <laughs> well, Coach, I've spent plenty of nights crying by myself, so it's it's fine. It just, you know, you do that in private and then you figure yeah. it out, I guess. You look at the next morning and you're all good to go. Yeah, Coach, I think and everything, but you'll be fine. Yeah. I think that kind of your role in that, though, it, mm -hmm you know, as a coach, you're, you're a teacher. Um, I, I always, I always have been told the best coaches are teachers. And, and if you're not teaching anything, well, you're not coaching. Um, so, you know, you being who you are, and, and I, th I think it helps your players and I might be biased, but I think it helps your players in a, a, a tough situation not to get so angst up or, or uh, super hyper uh, emotional, yeah. and I, I think it helps. So you send those naysayers to us, and we'll tell them right, and we'll, we'll have your back, Coach. I appreciate that. Thank no you. Yeah. Adam got them. I'll watch. Yeah. I'll be behind them. Right. That's right. Get them. Get them. Yeah. So up until you uh, coach the program, I love hearing Angel has an awesome story of how he heard of Montana. I was born and raised in Montana, so I know I know Montana. So how did you? Know know of Montana? Did you have some sort of weird story where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I do a little bit. It feels weird to me now. Um, so I was coaching at, you know, volunteering at the division three school. I was getting my master's. I was dating the guy who's now my husband and we are sort of sitting on the couch watching whatever. And then on the coffee table was this outside magazine where it's like, you know, best places to live or whatever. Um, and Missoula was on that list. And mm -hmm. I just remember distinctly a conversation because we debated a lot. Do you do you move to the location you want to live and find a job or do you follow a job and a career path and live wherever? For some reason, we just debated about that. And I really was conflicted about that because um, I've always wanted to live in a place like Missoula. So that was on the list. And we got we had this huge conversation about wouldn't that be a dream to be able to coach at Montana in Missoula, live in this place, do these things. And I don't even think I let myself dream of being, oh, the head coach there it was just like, could I coach there for a little while? You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, so it's kind of a dumb story, but it's weird that 
that became in the back of my mind a little bit of a dream. And then sort of to end up here, I think is pretty wild, feels wild. Um, And then I had a teammate in college at Oregon State who was coaching here. Right around that time, she got the assistant job, Gina Schmidt. And so um, I think she would talk to me periodically and say, if we ever have an opening, you know, you should consider Mm -hmm. it and blah, blah, blah. So she's Canadian um, and hadn't been here either, but Every time she talked about it, I was super jealous. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess what was that conversation? What, what about this place made it such an attractive place to you? I mean, you I, mentioned that just a second ago. Yeah, I think I think it was framed as a place where you could be outside all the time. And um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're from Southern California, too. I, I think SoCal gets a bad rap of being all, you know, just um, like superficial and all these things. But I feel like my family spent so much time outside. We were so active. We, Mm -hmm. my dad rock climbed, we went to the beach, we, we skied and went to the beach on like, you could go in one day to do both those things. You know, I, I feel like, um, I grew up doing activities that I love to do here, but I had to drive to do a lot of those things from Rancho, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but we lived pretty close to Cucamonga peak and I mean, not the actual peak, but like there were trails and things like that. Yeah. I, I was always drawn to just, um, life outside. So I mm-hmm. think that in a smaller community, I don't know how you felt, um, in the suburbs of LA, I really love it, but I also was craving, like, I want to feel what it feels like to live in a smaller community. Just yeah. Had, you yeah. Know? So yeah, when I first heard about Montana, I mean, kind of an embarrassing thing. I remember my coach came up to me and he said, Hey, you know what, man, if you've never trusted me before, um, mm-hmm. commit to Montana. And yeah. I said, coach, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know where Montana is on the map. <laughs> and so, and so he like looked at me and he like shook his head and he was just like, just trust me. You're going to love it. And so I kind of did the same thing. It was sight unseen, you know, I I took a leap of faith. I committed to the program. I came up here. My first experience up here was a Grizz Cat in 2014. And it was under the lights and it was fireworks and there was plane. I mean, it was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, excuse the French, but I was like, oh, shit, like this place is legit, (laughs) you know? And it was kind of of the same thing kind of along the lines. I I really wanted to experience a different type of community, you know, because growing up the way that I grew up, I mean, it was just unfortunate. My family never went skiing. We never did too many hikes. You know, we would make occasional beach trips, but it was a it was a rare and it was a special occasion. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. for me, one of the biggest things why I decided to come out here, I was like, you know what? I've never been fishing. I've never been hiking like that. I don't know mm-hmm. what the woods looks like. You know, those sort of things. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny now because people come here to vacation, and mm-hmm. I always tell people, I was like, this is where I live. I yeah. drive 10 minutes, I'm disappeared, you know? Yes. And unfortunately, I used to, I mean, I used to always be like, I'll never leave the city. Now, the older I get, I hate people more. So I'm like, I'm glad I'm here. You know what I mean? I so, know. I'm always like, maybe Missoula's too big for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, hey, Coach, you know, in 2010, you, you know, you mentioned you got your assistant uh, job. You came here. H- how did you get that assistant job? Did you, like you said, move on the on a whim did you and you mentioned your friend gina schmidt yeah did you hear about it from her how, how did that interaction process start yeah similar to you angel i just someone said this is what life is like in this place and i said mm-hmm. okay i'll move there i don't need to visit i don't think they had a budget to fly me out and give me a visit and so i just took it sight unseen it was more money yeah. than i was making which was helpful um we were living in san antonio and i was working 
full time as a coach, but making seventeen thousand a year, which was oh, like, wow. you know, yeah. enough That's to tough. Yeah. popcorn for dinner. But it was like this isn't sustainable, <laughs> really. And yeah. so I loved it. It just wasn't quite enough. And so um, mm-hmm. yeah, took it and showed up in June, I think, late June. So. I mean, one of the best times to see this place for yeah. the first time ever. It was green and lush and people were playing grass volleyball right next to campus. And I think it was like Celtic Fest or one of the one of those fests that's around oh, there. Yeah. Um, so there's just volleyball tournament, people drinking craft beer under a tent <laughs> with live music. And then like the most beautiful sky and river I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, why would I ever leave this place? Exactly. You know, was that the moment that you were like, okay, this is my place. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to love it here. Yes. Yeah. I remember saying to Nate, like, do you think it's possible that we could say right now, we will never leave here. Like we will do anything it takes to never leave here. I remember having those conversations and he'd be like, we don't need to make those decisions. Let's just like be <laughs> here a year and then see how it goes. You know, I'm like, uh-huh. no, we need to commit to forever. <laughs> so I was pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, you come to Montana, you're making a big change, you're kind of doing it on the whim, and you spent, you know, the next six seasons under two different types of two different head coaches. Yeah. You know, obviously, I had a similar experience just being as a player. You mm-hmm. know, I, I committed under Laney, I played under Stitt, and I played under Bobby, which okay. are, you know, very different types of coaches. Yeah. You know, I guess just tell me a little bit about your experience. I know those both head coaches and how they've kind of framed you. I really, you know, Jerry hired me and to me is one of the big reasons I have this opportunity now to be the head coach here. And I learned so much from him and we're still really, really good friends. Um, but he just taught me a lot about how to treat people. And I think, okay. I guess in a nutshell, he treated the bus driver the same way that he treated like anyone else. He just yeah. like the service industry, the people that helped us on our road trips, um, the head coach at the opposing for the opposing team. Um, it didn't matter who was interacting with our program. He he got to know them. Um, he talked to them like they were a part of our program. And I just that really that really shaped who I am now and how I want this program to be run, I guess. Um <laughs> And yeah, he loves this place and he love he's from Haver. Um, so I just learned about Montana from a blue pony from someone who, you know, just through and through is like so committed to this state and um, kind of the ideals here and the type of person that does well here and the values here. And I don't know. I just feel like I learned from a really generous person. And then yeah. um I also had my first child working for Jerry and I don't think I would have kept coaching if it wasn't for how he was as a boss when I was a new mom, just because we had this arrangement where I came to work from five in the morning to 10 in the morning when the baby was sleeping or with my husband or like we figured that part out. And then I would go home from 10 to two and be there and take care of Wyatt. And then I would come back for practice. Um, And I don't know a lot of bosses that are that flexible. Um, And that was hard. Like that's exhausting. But at the same time, um, he basically said, whatever you need, um, let's do it. Let's make sure you can stay in this career and you, you have a healthy family. And, um, and that was pretty, I don't know. That's still like, that's still not huge. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Holy smokes. Yeah. No, that's one of the craziest things about it, man. I mean, even when I was playing, like I thought my schedule was tough and then I figured out and I learned real quickly that they're there from, you know, I mean, as soon as the sun comes up or even before that, all the way until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, working on film stuff. And especially like when you're in fall camp right now, I mean, those coaches are there all day. They sacrifice so much. 
And so, I mean, the life of a coach is hard, yeah. extremely hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine putting that. And then I, cause I have two kids yeah. and then being a mom, like uh, that must've been way uh, like super beneficial because I know my wife always wants to be with her family. Right. Mm -hmm. That, that little time that you have with your newborn goes yeah. so quickly. Um, oh, yeah. I, I bet you that was just an amazing experience of being able to have your love of volleyball, but also your baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'd bring him, I'd bring Wyatt, Sometimes um, once he got a little older and his nap schedule made more sense, I'd bring him and we just have coaches meetings with him and the, you know, the baby Bjorn in front and he'd be passed out and we'd just be doing laps around the Opal and we did our coaches meeting out there and then uh -huh. he'd wake up and need something and, and we'd go our separate ways. But I just, I feel like he really wow. allowed my, my family and my life to be a part of the program. Um, and coach like head coaches don't always do that. It, a lot of times it's these are the office hours and you're we don't here at the office yeah. and you're here and there's no distractions. And and that that's a fine way to do things. Everyone's in charge of how they want that to be done. But um, that really helped me. So mm -hmm. that's, that awesome. wow. that's, that's really, have, really incredible. Yeah, he doesn't have kids. So he it's that's not like, oh, I, I, I know what this feels like. So I'm going to do this yeah. for you. He had he just listened to what I needed, which I think was really really wonderful see that's um, even crazier to, to have. Yeah. think of someone like not even having kids to think about that is yeah is, is huge yes so mm -hmm. i'm very yeah. grateful to him i worked for brian too and i learned a ton from him yeah because yeah. he had so much experience with usa volleyball um he came from utah that was in you know was in the pac-12 and so i learned so much about recruiting about i don't know just what volleyball is like at the highest level from him so yeah I feel really lucky. I mean, what, what a good balance there, though, to be able to see those di two different types of perspective. And, you know, obviously, my kind of experience when I first came to Montana, I mean, it wasn't a coach who necessarily taught, taught that. My first experience with just Montana people and the kindness that this community shows, you know, and obviously, they're really, really critical because we're all we got. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, so they have those high expectations, and that's totally justified. But I remember one day when I first got here to campus, I was walking around and like in, in Los Angeles, if you're looking at somebody for a prolonged period of time, it's like, okay, you have a problem with me or something. <laughs> you keep looking yeah. at me. Yeah. You know? so I, I was walking down the street and this guy was looking in my way and I glanced at him and I went back to like not looking because I was just like, that's not, you don't just stare at a person. Yeah. And then I looked back and he was still looking at me. And I remember like kind of squinting my eyes and going like, what's the deal? What's wrong? Yeah. You know? And he was just like, oh, nothing. Just wanted to say good morning. Have a great day. And I was like, oh, shit, this is what this is, huh? Like, where am I? Was, I? <laughs> I was just like, this this is not California, man. And so because of that, I think, um, obviously, I really resonated with the community because it's like, I mean, yes, they, I mean, those, those expectations are there. But, I mean, that community feel, that bond, I definitely experienced that. And I think that was one of the reasons why I was like, you know what, I'm going to be here for a long time. Because, one, it was, it was really challenging me coming from a different culture to this culture. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, the kindness that they showed and, you know, those lessons I was able to learn, like those small moments, I was just like, wow, what what a place. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I totally agree. How, how has, you know, you started uh, your career in one decade and now it's in this other total different decade, totally different sports arena that we live in. Um, yeah. How has the game evolved since you played? Oh, gosh. Um, 
It's kind of yeah. a loaded question, huh? Yeah, it's probably like huge. Yeah. It's probably like <laughs> no. um, everything. <laughs> In every possible way. No. Yeah. Um, it's, I think the biggest thing is just speed. I mean, there's speed and size of the athletes. Um, and I don't know what that's like in other sports, but I just think, I think as we get further and further away from title nine with women's sports, like the young girls now are like just playing so many more sports and just genetically, like they're so much bigger. <laughs> they're just bigger mm -hmm. humans. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, their mothers are playing sports, their grandmothers are playing. So they're coming from women and, you know, and, and dads too, that just like, were had competitive identities or played lots of sports and so anyway you just see like the highest level is just insane of volleyball um and i played in the pack 10 at the time and um you know we were nowhere near winning the top the the conference but i played against some women who went on to be olympians and things like that and um wow, but that's like cool which was really cool and i was not yeah. i mean they were in another universe from me but i think even like now looking at the level of the Olympians now and the, the final four and like Ani, our assistant, the level that she played at, it's just, they're touching, you know, their, their jump touches are crazy higher. It's like, I don't know, everything is just so much more dynamic, so much more athletic. And then I think the skill of the setters, it's just so much faster. And so they're processing information so much quicker. Um, and yeah, yeah, I guess the physicality and speed, which is what you'd assume, I guess, just as sports. No, th I was going to say the same thing. That's how, I mean, my sports were, obviously, yeah. from when I was younger to now. I mean, some of the new athletes that are, obviously, I'm still young, you know, yeah. so I'm still competitive in certain ways. But even then, I watch some of these guys work out or some of these guys run and do all these drills. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> oh, my God, you're like a whole new breed. And like, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, like you said, the physicality and the speed and yeah. the processing, too. Yeah, you know, they're able to pick up on it so much quicker. And I think that is a testament to the coaches that yeah. understand that, like, hey, you know what? Because there's always been this mindset of such a traditional like this has to be the only in one way. And I think mm -hmm. coaches are starting to stay, it's like steer away from that understanding. It's like, okay, we got to be able to adapt in order to be successful, yes. especially in today's day and age of just sports in general. And so I, I completely agree with you. Those are probably the big things for me too. Yeah. And just where we've come with strength and conditioning. And like you yeah. said, those, those realms adapting with athletic training, strength and conditioning. Um, I mean, we used to just lift, I think they just took the football program and like, well, changed a few things, you know? Um, but it was like, we just lifted heavy and yeah. it was just, the thought was just like lift heavy. Um, and now our team does way different te things than the other sports do. And it's just more sports specific and the sports science is just so amazing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so anyway, yeah, I think it's yeah. fascinating. So coach I, I couldn't play in, in the game now. <laughs> What what is your thoughts on you know I I played unanimously any sport I could when I was growing up mm -hmm. soccer uh, football basketball tennis anything that that had a ball and me running around I did yeah um, so are you there there's two different kind of thinkings either you pick a sport and you dive yourself into it and you do that one sport you know, you're 110%, right? Or opening yourself up to, I've seen great athletes have two or three sports. What, what do you, what is your, what are your thoughts on which way is the best way to go? Yeah. 
I think that's a complicated thing, but I tend to lean towards the multi-sport athlete. I think there's so many good, there's just so many good rewards for that. I mean, does does that help in recruiting too? Like, do you kind of like, like search that out when you're recruiting? If possible, sometimes, I mean, volleyball though, like it's like club soccer or lacrosse where the, the club system, it just dominates the youth experience. So if you're not playing club, it's so hard for us to see you. Um, And if you're playing club, you're playing like seven months out of the year. So it really overlaps with basketball. A lot of volleyball and basketball girls play the same, you know, they play both, um, but they really can't, they start to have too many conflicts. And so I think we overtrain um, in terms of, we just, we just specialize too young. And so I like, I like that about Montana where, I think the multi-sport athlete is still a, a valued experience um, yeah. and, you know, club coaches and high school coaches, I think are more apt to share athletes and let athletes play both. Um, but I would love that. I, the only thing though, like anything, you have to be highly skilled and the skill level of all of the athletes playing now at, at our level is is outrageous because they've played and had private lessons and passed balls since they were nine. And so it's like, they're just, they're playing a ton. And I think you see burnout in that. I think you see overuse injuries. I think there's a lot of negative things from it, but they're so highly skilled at some of the really high skill positions. And, um, and you do lose a little bit of that if you play less, but I, I, I do think that overall you get the best athlete from the multi-sport athlete. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, they have better leadership skills. They just function on teams a little bit better. Um, I just think it's enriching in a way that you can't get in any other way. So, yeah. 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 So you mentioned leadership. And one thing that I'm kind of curious about is that I think uh, leadership is kind of a testament to the type of program that you have, you know, and obviously, obviously when you kind of transitioned over from an assistant coach to actually taking over the program, one thing again that me and Adam kind of mentioned in this podcast is that we think we really respect the culture that you've built and your kind of opinion, I guess, what makes a successful program. Yeah. Oh, thanks for saying that. Um, I think because I could talk too long on it and I feel like just cut me off when I get long winded. Um, and culture's culture is so big for me just because when I took over my main charge what I was told by my bosses was like, you have to change the culture. You have to fix it. Um, And it was bad. It was, it was real bad. (laughs) So um, bad bad in what way, if you're able to kind of speak on it, what ways did you think that you were guys were lacking? So we had the worst GPA in the whole department, worse than any other sport. Um, Uh And we, we just, the girls were partying way too much. And I'm, I'm not controlling of what they do in their social life. Like, do whatever you want, but we got to get it done in the classroom and on the court. And I just think our priorities were, were really skewed towards like the individual experience and I'm in college and I should do what I want. There was just no team identity, no common goal, no sacrifice for this bigger thing. Um, And really no work ethic, to be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we just, I think Mm -hmm. we were kind of addicted to like, well, no one's happy here. So we're just going to do what we want. Um, it just oh, felt okay. like that, you know, how you can kind of be addicted to losing. Um, and just that. Wow. Mentality. What a way to, what a way to split, you know, yeah, I've never thought about it that way. I mean, cause you always hear the champ I'm addicted to winning. You yeah. Know, but there's, that, there's that other side. It's addicted to lose. It's addictive. Yeah. It's a drug. It is. Yeah. Cause you just, you're like, Oh, you get, you kind of just 
get hooked on that feeling of like, oh, everything sucks here. And that sounds crazy, but you do. Um, And we didn't have bad players. They weren't bad people. I think it's, it's a culture. It's, it's just what you do without thinking. So anyway, but I think um, to me, the biggest thing was giving the players more responsibility. It wasn't taking responsibility away and saying, Hey, this is where we're going. And if you're not in line with this, I'm cutting you or kind of that message, because I think that works for a little while, but I think what really works long-term and what we've seen the most reward in is really saying to the players, what kind of program do you want to play in and what are you willing to do to make that happen? Cause ultimately if the players don't want the culture that you want, then they're not going to do it when you're not around, you know, mm-hmm. and as you both know, culture happens in locker rooms when coaches aren't around. It happens at parties. It happens in class, like all the places that I am not. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, so I really think slowly it was giving the athletes a voice. So there were times when we'd ask their opinion. And even if I didn't agree all the time, it was, yep, we're going to do what they think they need right now. Um, okay. And then there were times it was like, nope, we're doing this. And here's why. Um, yeah. So, I think we do as a staff a really good job of explaining why we make certain decisions um, and we care about them in a way that they really feel. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that's deliberate too. We had so many individual meetings. We um, I think we just kind of set it to ourselves in in a coach's meeting of like, we're going to just love them to the degree that they like can't turn away from it. They can't run away Mm -hmm. from it. They can't, make villains out of us. It's like the only option is to do this <laughs> with mm-hmm. us. You know what I mean, and so, um, and nobody's perfect and we made mistakes and I made mistakes for sure. But I think the players feeling like they were in charge of their team made them take responsibility for it and made them mm-hmm. love it. If you love something, you take care of it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so. And, and do you think that was just the overall mindset? Because obviously at this point, this is your first year as a head coach. All yeah. your previous experience has been in assistant role, volunteer role, or as a player. So it sounds like that was kind of the mindset going into that year, which obviously kind of played out simply because you guys were able to add on four extra wins. Yeah. Do you think having that role and kind of putting that responsibility on the players kind of changed the culture a little bit of, hey, you know what? We want to win. This is mm-hmm. why we're doing This is what we're here for. Yeah, I think so. I think they felt... I think the responsibility shifted and there was a desire to compete. Um, uh-huh. And I think, I think when you're really cared for as an athlete, you, you want to be at your best. Like my, yeah. my favorite coaches were people that I just, I just didn't want to disappoint them. I mean, I'm, yeah. I've been afraid of coaches before where fear works to a certain extent, <laughs> but like is the coaches that I admired that made me every second. Like I still feel like with my coach, like, Oh, I wonder if Nancy would be proud of me right now. And I, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the kind of, relationship that I want with them where it's like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I think, I, you know, I look at coaches, like one of my favorite coaches is John Wooden and, mm-hmm. you know, you look at him and you look at the culture that he instilled, you know, a lot of coaches still take that on. And, you know, he had some crazy and, and some amazing players on his team that had full personalities and he still was able to have a championship culture to win championships. Do you take from uh, John Wooden? Do you take from somebody else? And, you know, how hard is that to kind of have a culture, but also have a player led? Because I've always heard player led 
you know, teams yeah. are better than coach-led teams. Mm -hmm. I, I, yes, I think so. Player-led is definitely our goal and something we talk about. Um, and I think John Wooden was in, influential for me in that he's so gentle. Like yeah. he has his rules and he, you really understand what he wants. And, and I think as he wrote about his teams, it was like, look, you're going to, you're going to do our culture the way we want it done, or you're just not going to be in this program. And I think he was really clear about that, but he's so loving and gentle. And I think he came across as so strong because of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I admire that a ton, but I think, I think the coaches I've looked to the most have, have been other coaches in our conference that I've been friends with or other coaches in our hallway. And I love reading books by coaches and things, but there's this, I don't know, there's this level of like, um, celebrity where I just feel like it's a little bit distant for me. I can mimic some things, but they're, they're just not real humans all the time to me. And so when I can go sit in someone's office and on their worst day and, and feel what that feels like, or on their best day. And, um, that's just more tangible and I feel more relatable. Um, so I've had those moments more with coaches in my, in my world just here. No, a hundred percent, you know, and then kind of, <laughs> obviously one thing that I do want to kind of touch on and I kind of, uh, I, I skipped over it, you know, but, um, just backtracking to when you first got that call to be a coach in 2017, I mean, what was that like, you know, you get the call, they said, Hey, you're hired. You're going to be the next head coach for the, I mean, what was running through your mind? Um, mostly fear, mostly terror of just like, Hey, I've been an assistant for seven years, you know, here, and I have all these opinions and I was very, I have a ton of, I'm an opinionated person. I don't always verbalize that, but my brain is always doing those things. And so mm -hmm. I've been saying, I know what this place needs for a long time. And now it's, it's actually time to be tested mm -hmm. in a public, a very public way. I mean, coaching is so vulnerable because you're like, ev like we said earlier, it's just everything you think and feel out for everybody to comment on. Um, and you're failing big. So um, I was terrified and I, th I thought, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, you know, I'm, I can't. And then it's turned into this mantra for our team and it's kind of silly, but I think the thought I had in, in my mind was just, okay, if it's terrible, yeah, it's going to be terrible, whatever. It's going to be terrible. But if it's like, imagine it being so wonderful that are you willing to walk away from that possibility that if it's great, you mm. won't get to experience that. So the, like that turned into what if it's great? Cause I was thinking, what if it sucks? What if I get fired? What if I'm terrible? What if I can't do it? What if everyone hates me? And then that little thought of like, but what if it's great? Could I really yeah. live the rest of my life thinking like I might've missed out on something so incredible. And so our team says, what if it's great all the time? And sometimes even with me, they're like, can we have milkshakes? I'm like, no. And they're like, but what if it's great? <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's always great. What are you talking about? Yeah, so, it kind of you know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit of like a like a self manifestation type of thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I think one of the things that I wish I kind of understood a little bit better while I was playing is just the power of self manifestation and those sort of things. I'm yeah. I'm a believer in it. Some people may think it's silly. That's fine too. You know, that's the way that you like decide to live life. But I think there's some power to you know that other side. Just sitting there and saying, you know what, this is who I am. This is the outcome that I expect. Mm -hmm. You know. And I think there's just a power to the brain that comes with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And yeah. you make small choices every day that point you down the path of positivity yeah. or yeah. you make negative ones. And you, I mean, I get in my own way all the time because I'm afraid of failing and then I make that happen. <laughs> you know, you, mm -hmm. you sort of, yeah, I, 
I think that's really powerful. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, Coach, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you love going into, you know, the other sports, you know, offices. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to, but what? Are, wh who's your favorite office to go into? Ooh, uh -huh. That's a good question. People are going to be watching this. <laughs> I know. Be careful with I, know. I know. I, I know. I say, yeah, no, we're not going to answer that. <laughs> no. no we'll, that's we'll edit it out. We'll edit it out. We'll be fine. <laughs> well, I think, um, gosh, I'm just trying to think of who not, like, I can't think of anyone that's not. But, I mean, I love, I've talked to um, Paul Renault, who's one of our track coaches, Um I love talking to him about movement and mechanics. And then he's just a funny guy. He's got music on all the time. We do some work with our diversity committee together and he's just, his spirit just makes you feel happier and better and just better about being alive. And so I love being his in his office. He's a really technical coach and I love listening to how he trains movement because we're always trying to be better about how we move. Um, and then, um, you know, I don't get to talk to Travis very much just because he's a busy man and he's got his things going on. And, um, but the little moments I've had when we cross paths, um, he's so deliberate in everything he says and does. That dude's legit. Yeah. And I just, I've learned so much from him, um, that I'm never really in his office, just shooting the breeze, but that would be, I think, the moments when I get to interact with him, it's really cool. Oh, Robin's everybody else is going to be pissed. Let me just tell you that. They're coming oh, for you. Well, is one of my best friends. And then Robin Sully. I mean, just start really naming everybody. Me. Yeah. Everybody in the office gets is going to be out. like, what? <laughs> one of the cool things about working here, and I'm sure you know from being an athlete here, it's like the coaches are in everybody's offices all the time. I mean, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good relationships all around. And I think that's super dope to see because yeah. at the end of the day, like you would expect it to be the opposite, you know, yeah, you that's, would. that's, I mean, a hundred percent simply because, you know, being a football coach is not the same role of being in the presence of a volleyball coach. Yeah. You know, the coaching tactics are a little bit different, but oh, I mean, totally. the fact that every time I walked in there, you know, I would see other position coaches and other, other, other sport coaches, you know, walk to the office, Hey, good morning. How are you doing? You know, those mm -hmm. sort of things. I mean, I just, again, I think it speaks to the overall culture. I'm sure you have to deal with your BS just like anybody else does. Yeah. I feel like this, that's, a, that's part of what comes with the job, you mm -hmm. know, but the fact that the coaches have these types of relationships, it's super empowering to see because, it again, it just, I think it, it broadens it to, hey, this is just what the state's all about. You know, you know your neighbor. You know, a lot of coaches, they live next to each other. They, or they go over to each other's houses on the weekends and hang out or, or they'll play volleyball or they'll do stuff mm -hmm. together, you know, it's just, I mean, ice cream you know like you yeah. said like they do all those cool things together man so i think it's su super cool to see you know what i mean yes no it's yeah, yeah. it's really rare yeah yeah coach you know you know your first season after after that, the following two seasons you know you make the big sky tournament and how are you able to you know set a new standard and make those expectations um how are, how are you to raise that program so quickly because like, yeah. like you said it, it was low and mm -hmm. and and just three years you're making the big sky tournament which is amazing because that's a hard thing to do it, yeah they don't take all the team yeah no i think the tournament i love the tournament experience and i think having that to chase for our team it was just such a big measurement of if if we can achieve that that's a yeah that's how we can measure a huge amount of our success and so um yeah i, I think 
we had to push more in practice. We had to ask for details that weren't being covered before. I mean, mm-hmm. the first couple of years we were doing class checks. We were doing, um, Oh, like I hate lot. those class checks. I hate those class checks. <laughs> don't do them anymore. I know. I know. We were really like, if you're, if you're missing one detail, there's going to be these consequences. And it really was, it was an overhaul of like, we expect this kind of discipline. And if you don't meet that, then there's these consequences. And then, you know, we just had to keep pushing and be uncomfortable. And, um, you know, well, what's uh, if, if you don't mind sharing, what's your guys' consequence if, like, you know, what somebody's <laughs> running late to class, like, because that's the reason they're not going because they're running late, never because they want to miss, never because they're, they're, they're running late, athletes are running late to Their class, car broke down, it? yes, yeah. What does that consequence <laughs> look like for you guys, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, no, so we do. We do one drill. It's like a physical consequence. It's called coach on one. Um, and I just already. Yeah, I just hit balls. I can hit. I can throw them. And, and, you know, if I throw them far enough, they have to sprint and then dive. And so they have to get 10 up in the air. Um, Okay. And so it's kind of up to me how long they're in it. And um, you get pretty exhausted because you're hitting the floor and you're um, you're stressed and you're full full tilt. Yeah. 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 It's a coach on one. And so anyway, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. Um, But more than that, though, you just miss practice time. It's just like you're you're Mm. not putting in time where you need to. So you don't get to do this thing that you love. And um, and they they hate that more than anything when they can't be in the gym. So to me, that works. I mean, going back to what you said earlier, that works extremely well with player ran programs. Mm. Yes. You know, because I've been a part of some club programs when I was in high school because I had four different, oh, yeah, four different uh, high school head coaches. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, since it wasn't a, play, a player-ran kind of team, yeah. you know, because of that, those consequences were just a lot of complaining and moaning and BS, all that type of stuff. But it was it was consistent. It was repetitive. And it's right. hard to get out of that mindset and out of that shift, which is one of the most frustrating things. You mm-hmm. know, So I think that works extremely well, but I think it only works well with like really kind of player-ran teams. No, that's a really good point. Um, I hadn't thought about it like that, but I really, I think that's so true. Um, so I don't know, we kind of figured it out. Sometimes we had too many consequences, sometimes not enough. I mean, you're kind of just always walking that line of like, yeah, yeah. Holding their trust or they're like, screw you. I'm not doing this anymore, you know, type of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I guess that, I mean, going on to the next year, I mean, obviously the following year COVID, I mean, put it in everybody's plans. (laughs) You know, yes. I guess what, what was so challenging about the year? What was your experience like? I mean, is this something that you think that you'd be like, ah, oh, you know what? If it happened again, it wouldn't be so terrible. Or you're like, f this, I never want to go through that again. <laughs> yeah, I think the second one. Um, yeah. Right there one, you go. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. It was what pretty a coach's bad. answer. What a coach. Yeah, the second one. The second yeah, one. The second said. one. Yes. No, we just we were so young in that COVID season, and we had, and I think where COVID and youth and mental health intersected for our team, we were just kind of a mess. Um, And Montana, we were so lucky to be more open. I mean, our school was open. We were, we were kind of functioning a lot more than say like Portland state where they weren't, they weren't doing anything. Um, They were in the season, but like that fall before they weren't at all. So, I mean, I don't know. It just, we had people, really emotionally going through things we couldn't manage matches and then we we only won two games and so Mm -hmm. (laughs) excuse me i think we started to lose and then anxiety rose and then 
we were young. And so when, you know, when you're young and uncomfortable, you just want to bolt or hide in your dorm room or go see your yeah. boyfriend, or I don't even know, just stuff where if you're older, you're more resilient. You just understand like, but anyway, it was horrific. And we only had two coaches because when they moved our season to spring, our assistant Janae, she had just gotten engaged and she's like, I can't do long distance anymore. I've got to go be with Zach back in Fort Collins. And so we were, and we couldn't hire cause there was a hiring freeze. So I think just, oh, yeah, yeah. Our players needed a lot of support and there was only two of us and we weren't having success and we were having a lot of mental health um, issues and wow. <laughs> yeah. it was tough I hear that. yeah <laughs> so no i so, mean yeah. i mean what's inspiring about that is that you know that following year that actual fall season it seems like it was it was probably one of your more successful stints as your because yeah. you're gonna you obviously you're gonna be here forever right yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's already got it written down in, in it's plans paper. with her husband we're here Man manifestation <laughs> manifestation manifesting that yeah. yeah i mean so you you did some really impressive things i mean like a non-conference you guys uh, over uh, 0.500 which is super super awesome in those 16 games and then you guys end up going to the UND Classic and then actually you guys won that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was so fun. what what was that like to have that turnaround and be like dude last year sucked but this year's a little bit better <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it just felt so good it was so cathartic yeah. to win um and then you know we weren't we were still testing and doing things like that but you could be in the dorms and be no you know the the girls could be social in ways that you really want to and need to in college and, and in life in general. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think they were so angry and so hurt and so kind of not ashamed, but just like embarrassed that we yeah. had a, a COVID season like that. And none of them ever wanted to feel like that again. So I yeah. think the motivation to really just attack the next season and be positive and, um, and we bonded, you know, you kind of bonded through all that pain together. And so I think those of us that went through that together are really like really proud. And I don't know that anyone will know that besides us, just like what it felt like to. to That's that. what makes it special, though. Yeah. You know, because nobody else knows the other stuff that you guys are going through except you guys. Yeah. And I think that's the coolest part about it. I mean, I was fortunate enough. My career ended right before COVID started. Yeah. But I remember having conversations where people weren't doing too well. I mean, because you, you go from being outdoors and li living this really social lifestyle, because that's what you need here in Montana, yeah. to literally just being cooped up in the home. You know, right? yeah. what does that do to the mind? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They were stressed out. And, and then, you know, you lose your confidence. And I don't know. I just think they were like, I didn't sign up to play college sports like this with no fans, you know, with we're just we're in mass in the locker room. And, and just, you know, that stuff is important. I'm not like the world needed to do those things to to get through a crisis a pandemic yeah but, no that, yeah yeah but it, it's definitely tough on the mental but, like you said yeah so yeah we're we're going forward and but it's been cool it's been cool to see what that that hardship has produced in some of our juniors um now juniors i think they're tough in ways that um that no other class is so yeah well, you that. see that too coach because you know your wins during that that tournament you know they were come from behind yeah um you know drake that I, that one stood out to me that one was really come from behind showing that grit and that, that as a teacher like i am always telling my kids uh, my students you know you've got to show some grit you've got to keep on going um mm -hmm. and so that is is something that stood out to me that mm -hmm. you have this 
I'm not gonna say horrible, but it was, you know, not, yeah. not great. But to show that growth in not not quitting and and winning from behind is huge. Yeah. Because you learn so much. Winning's yeah. hard, man. Winning's it super is. hard. It mm-hmm. is. And we mm-hmm. we even in that season that was better, we still lost a lot in five. And you know, we've we're a program that for I don't know for how hopefully not much longer, but I think this year and just in our conference, our conference is so tight. It's such good volleyball. I mean, you're just not seeing a lot of three set wins anymore. So yeah. you just um you have to be able to be gritty and and have that belief. And so it's gonna be tough. It's gonna yeah, be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Super fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess one, one of the things that I have question of is obviously during that conference play, you guys accumulated, I think it was like a one in six start, you know, yeah. but, and again, I love telling stories about hardships. I think there's two real, I don't think people talk about them enough. Everybody wants to always focus on the bright spots, but again, kind of, I mean, it is tied into a bright spot. You guys accumulated a one and six record, you know, starting off and then you flip the switch to five and two, yeah. you know, and I guess I just want kind of want to know your philosophy on that. I mean, what mm-hmm. kind of change in that? What was going through your mind? Cause obviously, because had such a strong, pretty non-conference kind of season. Yeah. And then going into that, I mean, back to kind of struggling again. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, such a high, such a low. What did you guys do to kind of change it back up and switch on that next gear? Yeah, yeah. I think that was training. It was it was just getting back into practice and saying, yeah. all right, this is the situation we're in and we have to find another gear. We have to be gritty. We have to be resilient. And this is where our toughness, we're either going to turn the corner as a program or we're going to keep like barely missing it forever. And I think I think we also as a team, we were young and new last year again um, to a certain extent. And so we just had to play together long enough. And I think once there was just some system things that finally clicked where it was like, yeah. oh, we're just managing volleyball way better. And then it just took yeah. off, you know, so mm-hmm. I think it was a combo of just, we just needed some experience and obviously we did well in preseason, but I schedule in preseason and there's no easy teams in D1, but I definitely scheduled a schedule that I thought um, we would have some confidence. Yeah. We're going to take care of business. You know, even if we mess up a little bit, we're going to take care of business. So mm-hmm. the big sky is not like that. There is no night where you can just roll in and like, okay, our, our subs are getting in tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It's anybody's yeah. game, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So, Coach, you know, who's been the most influential person in your life? You know, yeah. I, 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 I can name a couple um, and I, I'm sure you could probably name a couple being an athlete. Um, yeah. Who's, who's that person that you, you tend to. These, that's a, such a hard question. <laughs> I love this question. Um, well, you've mentioned a couple of them already. Yeah. Obviously with Gina, yeah. sounds like she was pretty influential. You know, yeah, Brian was influential. Yeah. Yeah, John, John yeah. obviously being, you know, a coach yeah. in his own right in basketball, you said that he was influential, but is there somebody that kind of sticks out to you? I mean, cause like for me, I remember one of the most influential coaches for me and one specific moment is I was a freshman in high school. It was during like hell week in high school because I don't know. I don't don't know if they still have that or or have that type of situation, but we were doing up downs because the team got in trouble. And I remember him coming over me and he just started gripping me a new one. He was you're soft. You shouldn't play this and that. And I remember being really, really upset about it. But that was because he saw something in me and he explained to me, he's like, I saw mm-hmm. something else in you. I just wanted to see if I can challenge you to get to that point, yeah. you know? And so because of that, it, I mean, usually here, well, they've been there for me my whole life and they've, you know, they've, they supported me, which is all great stuff. But for me, I think that was one of the most influential coaches simply because 
he challenged me in ways that nobody had ever had. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I think so because of that, he sticks out in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, I feel like I have a lot of people like that. Um, yeah. And, but I honestly, when you ask that question, like Dana is, I think the person that I keep coming back to our associate head coach. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but I, <laughs> no, I, really, no, I really feel like, you know, we hired her, like she was my very first hire really. Um, but I feel like I've done this whole thing like with her and she has seen me in some moments where I have absolutely no confidence and no ability to even know where I'm going next. And I mm -hmm. think she's just, she's just seen me through like some really tough times for me as a leader. And I think, and I think not by like, I don't know, by simply just being like, I know you can do it. And I, yeah. I know who you are. Um, and I feel, I just feel like, I wouldn't be who I am as a coach without doing this with her. And yeah. um, I don't know how else to explain it. So yeah, yeah. she's as soon as you hear this episode, she's walking in with Starbucks. Or something. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm being like, all right. You said the nicest things about me the other day. I think I want to give this to you. That's but, hilarious. Yeah. You just like this job is hard. It, I mean, I'm a mom and balancing family and doing like, I'm, I'm like, failing forward all the time. And we're, mm -hmm. we have a turnaround where, yeah, there's moments you're just like always testing something new. And so for mm -hmm. her to, to buy in the way she has, and I don't know, it's just mm -hmm. you guys. Do you know. think that, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously I think it sounds like she's part of the reason why you feel so grounded, you know, and who you are as a coach. Yeah. Um, but I guess what other, what other stuff keeps you grounded? You know, do things come to mind? Do you just keep remembering, I got a family, I, you know, I'm passionate about these kids or I guess what does keep you grounded besides her? Yeah, I think, um, I think my family, um, I think Nate just, I think when you're in coaching, um, and you're married or you have a partner, I think like that person has to, um, I don't know, you gotta be good teammates, <laughs> you know, they, like you've got to give grace when it's needed and you've got to be supporters and um, there can't be a lot of friction there because it's just such a stressful way to live sometimes. And so that keeps me grounded for sure. Um, but to be honest, and again, we're getting cheesy here again, but it's the players. And I think one of the gifts of being a player led program um, here is that the players feel comfortable sharing opinions about the program with me and the things, the times when I have really needed um, support. And that's not in a needy way, just in like, I don't know, and not asked for it. They have just, they have verbalized things about their time here, about their relationship with me, about what they feel this program has provided for them in ways that has like changed me. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think just showing up every day and knowing these people are my favorite people. I don't know. There's like nothing better than anything else could happen outside of that. And it's like, I'm okay. And even if I did get fired, even if I'm not here for a million years, I think my relationship with them, like I know that I got to do that and I wouldn't change anything. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's grounding when it's like, nope. Yeah. That's how I would do it. You know, and I would do, do you it think again. that also ties into like what you love most about coaching is just coaching those people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think coaches say that and, you know, it sounds so cliche to like, oh, the relationships, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, 
I, it's like being a teammate. You can try to describe it, but it's a feeling that you get that you just like, you love those people in a certain way um, that nobody really understands. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's so cool. And mm -hmm. that's the why uh, times a million. <laughs> so, coach Lawrence, um, you know, a as a coach, you've probably traveled millions of places. Uh, what, what are some favorite places? And, and when we're, we're talking about places, you've got to talk about food. <laughs> so what, what are some of those favorite food that you've you've experienced as well? Oh, gosh. Um, I love our conference. I love our the cities in our conference. So I love going to Flagstaff and like I go on a, the same trail run every year there when we go there. You um, run up there? Yeah. <laughs> no way. You'll never. I mean, I'm not a big fan of running, uh, clearly, but yeah. you'll never catch me running up there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was such a challenging place to he play. He has some trauma about flags. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. I was just trauma. jogging. I was just jogging. I wasn't competing. So I can't claim that I've done anything difficult there. But yeah, I, uh -huh. you know, I love, I love Flagstaff. I love Portland. Uh, I love Portland. So Portland State, when we visit them. But um, yeah, I think in the States, our conference by far, I just love. Um, yeah. And we do a senior dinner every year where, on one of our lighter road trips, I take, it's just me and the seniors go out and we, to a dinner and we dress up and um, it's, you know, it's an expensive dinner and it's like, it's like a me and the seniors date. Um, and yeah. so we went downtown Portland to a really nice place. I can't even tell you what the name of it is because um, I can't remember, but it was the, one of the best meals I've ever had. So in um, downtown Portland, huh? Yeah. I'll have to look huh. it up. I can't remember. It was so, it was one of those fancy places. You just had to Google. I didn't even know, like I wouldn't even <laughs> seen it. We like took an elevator up to somewhere. I don't even know, but yeah, it was amazing. So um, that is awesome. Yeah. And then as an athlete, I, we did a European, um, like a tour or we went to Prague and, um, Slovenia and all these places and played. And so I think the food I ate there and the places there was pretty cool, but that was as an athlete. So, yeah. You know, coach, you know, going into this next season, what's your mindset? What's your, what are your goals going into this next season? Um, I want us to have the best season that Grizz volleyball has had. Like, you know, I really, I've been, I've been cautious about, saying things like that in previous yeah. years because you know i just want to take a step forward every year and i feel that same way but i really feel the momentum and i feel the desire from our players to do something big this year and i don't really mm -hmm. know what that is i don't know if that's win the most matches ever or you know the types of matches we win like we win a match in the in the um, conference tournament which hasn't happened in a while so um it just feels like it needs to be a big year and not that it needs to, that it's going to, is what I'm trying there to say. There you go. Self-manifestation. There you go. There it is again. It keeps coming up. So number of wins, up. of course, that always boils down to number of wins. But um, yeah. but yeah, I think Serena's going to break the all-time dig record here as the libero. And I coached her when she was 12. And so to do this with her at the end, like it's just so, there's just so many cool things going on. I just, awesome. I can't wait. So yeah. That is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, coach, you know what? I'm just really appreciative. One of the things that I always tell people, even if, you know, because I'm in sales right now. So one of the things that I always tell people is like, I don't really care about any of the type of money that you make, but I value people's time. 
Yeah. And so the fact that you took, you know, an hour and 20, 30 minutes to hop on here and just kind of talk about it, it I think it really, really means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to Adam, too. Yep. So I, I really just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking this time to, you know, give us a, a little bit of a glimpse into your life and maybe have some of those conversations that you don't normally have with, you know, with the media, you know. Yeah. So yeah. obviously we don't see ourselves that way, but the fact that, I mean, people are going to watch this and get to know a little bit of a different side. Mm-hmm. I think it's super impactful. And I think it just shows that everybody's, everybody's more alike than we'd like to think, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so oh, because yeah. of that, yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you so much yeah, for hopping exactly. on here. Well, I feel the same and it's, I love talking about this stuff. And I think in volleyball, we don't always get asked to do these types of things. Like I, in our media markets, like I'm not the one everyone's keying in on, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And I get why, like I get the, the bigger kind of, um, I don't know, the big stage sports, I guess but I really, really appreciate yeah, yeah. like you caring about volleyball, you caring about women's sports, you just doing that part um, and having like a voice like mine in the conversation that's so often dominated by football and basketball, which is amazing. I've learned so much from those areas, but I think um, we we all learn from each other. So I really appreciate exactly. it. And yeah, thank you. We'll have to have you on again, coach. And you know, Anytime. Is there anything, you know, that you're wanting to get across to the fans, um, season tickets, anything like that, that, that are out there that will help yeah, your plug, guys. Plug it up. Program? Yeah, we do. We have season tickets. They're on sale and we're up by like hundreds of percents in our sales of awesome. season tickets. So, yeah. um, but I really, you know, it's going to be a great year, but volleyball is a great sport that's growing. It's so exciting to watch in person. So I feel oh, yeah. like just getting people out, um, it, but I really, our athletes are really wonderful people that I think represent Grizz Nation so well. Um, and I think they're worth investing in. I think they're great role models. And I just think it's time well spent just spending an evening with watching them compete. So yeah, we're yeah. so appreciative of that. This place is the best. Well, there's, there's no there's no downtime in volleyball. You're always on the edge of your seat. So yes. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, we can't thank you enough, Coach, for coming on. 